If your business is tired of paying unpredictable and high phone bills, do what I did. Switch to Zoom Call's cloud business phone service. You'll pay the same low amount every month, no matter how many calls you have in the U.S. and Canada. And Zoom Calls has a really cool feature called voicemail drops. Whenever you reach someone's voicemail, just say hi in their name and then click a couple of buttons on your phone to leave your pre-recorded message. It saves both your voice and your time. Check out zoomcalls.com. That's zoomcalls.com. I think you'll love it. Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. That is right. You are listening to the home of conservative, not bitter. Not bitter talk. I tell you what, not bitter is something that stands out boldly in today's landscape. So it's good to be here. Thank you for joining us. Email as always, Todd at ToddHuffShow.com. Facebook.com slash ToddHuffShow should you want to watch the program Live or on demand there and find out that, yes, I do, in fact, have a face for radio. Well, as long as Facebook lets us keep that up anyway. So that's where we are. Good to be here. Thank you for joining us. You know, I want to talk about a couple things today. Today is September 11th, and every every year I I try to at least spend some time talking about uh, this day and just what it means i think to most to most proud americans and you know i i want to take a moment to i guess do that i was going to do this a little bit later but i i i just kind of feel like it's it's appropriate to do on the top and there's a reason number 1 it's something that we should always make sure that we remember you'll remember for those of you who were old enough to understand what was happening as much as we can understand what was happening on 9-11. For those of you that were adults or uh, aware of, you know, things that were going on, why they were happening again as much as we can understand those acts of, of evil. But we understood that you know what we were facing it took it took a little bit of time to maybe wrap our heads around the amount of hate some people you know i think refused to see that we were in the crosshairs of extreme radical um islamic terrorism i think people for a long time failed to understand just how serious the threat what was how deeply how, how deep the hatred ran for this nation for the people of this nation it didn't matter if the person an individual was directly responsible for anything that upset these radical islamic terrorists it didn't make any bit of a difference to them they viewed anyone who wasn't effectively part of 
you know, they you know, didn't anyone who didn't accept or adhere to their political system, their political slash religious system, it's one thing for these radical Islamic terrorists. A lot of folks did not understand how deep that hatred was, the source of that hatred. And I would say today people still don't. Now, it's a different world in a sense. Um, after 9-11, this nation rallied together in ways that I don't think that has been matched in my lifetime, and I'm not sure that it will. Unfortunately, it takes something as tragic and as devastating and as just gut-wrenching as, as, an, you know, as a 9-11 event. And I, I'm kind of talking about this today because we've we've actually got some uh, some some younger team members here on our program, and it's you know talking with them and, and realizing you know, they're sharp. Don't misunderstand, but they weren't they weren't they were tiny when this happened. They were I don't even think either one of them were in school. You think about that. This is 19 years ago now. 19 years ago that we're looking at uh, what's happened and, and a lot of people have a lot of people who may be voting now have no recollection really of what happened on 9/11 they don't realize to its true you know to its its full um, they don't fully realize how big of a change happened on that day you know I told one of them yesterday that Imagine in 20 years you're talking to someone about – and I don't know if this is a – please don't misunderstand, but but something as as dramatic as the way that we've responded to, to COVID. You know, now we're wearing masks, and unless you're Nancy Pelosi and you don't have to wear a mask, uh, you can get special treatments. If you're attending a, uh, a funeral of a Democrat candidate, you get to you know get special privileges if you are – uh, a Hollywood leftist going to New York City for whatever it was the what was the some one of the awards events I don't even keep track of those stupid things but if you're one of those folks you can have special treatment it's just it's just like big government the way that big government works is why socialism there's actually creates a wider range of inequalities between people the haves become a smaller group the have-nots become a bigger group. The people with privilege, they talk about white privilege in this nation today. You're, you're privileged because you're – look, I'm privileged. I am privileged because I am I am an American. I am privileged because of what this nation, what the people that went before me did for this nation, the sacrifices they made, the truth that they embraced, the acts of sacrifice that they endured. That they that they willingly took. Those are the those are the reasons why I am privileged today. And anyone who calls himself or herself American, and I know this comes across as really harsh to some people because they think, well, some people have difficult circumstances. And I'm not glossing over that. I'm saying we are all blessed by being born in this nation. This nation transformed transformed life on this planet. Transformed it, folks. In radical ways. We're now citizens and not subjects. We're free. We are – I mean granted we have people attacking this constantly. We have one political party. 
um, who's focused, it's, it's they're hell-bent on eradicating that. When we talk about rewriting, uh, you know, kind of recreating America in this new, more loving way as the left does, they they talk about it in ways that abandon those those ideals and principles. But we are, in fact, a blessed people. And so anyway, talking back, you know, speaking with younger folks, I, I you know, can you imagine, I, I said, speaking to someone in 20 years who had no idea really what COVID was. Maybe they grew up thinking that, you know, mask wearing was just part of everyday life in America forever. Assuming, you know, that people continue wearing masks, who knows what happens with that. But my point is that this is the COVID and the response to COVID I mean, it's it's shut down businesses for six months in places like California. It's hurt the economy in way. It's destroyed certain industries, right? I mean, we, we've seen, and of course, Congress is still trying to figure out another piece of legislation here, which of course is, I don't want to get into that at the moment. I just simply want to say the Democrats want to make it look as political as possible so as to keep uh, to say Republicans don't care enough to do enough for the American people. It appears to me that Democrats are prepared to write a blank check for untold trillions of dollars here. But anyway, to think that, to think that in twenty years, say a twenty a twenty five year old, you know, can relate to nine eleven in that sense. To think, imagine when you're in your forties and you are talking about COVID and how it changed the world, how it changed the world. The, the way that this nation operated, at least for some period of time, and some some person comes along and they have no idea what you're really even talking about. Um, you know, that's for those of us that were alive before nine eleven, experienced nine eleven. We experienced kind of an awakening of sorts. We drew together in this nation, and we fought an enemy. You could question some of the actions taken, whether we should have gone to certain wars, but we absolutely had to eradicate these these terrorists, which we in large part have done. But this this anger, this hatred still foments against the United States amongst the radical Islamic terrorists. But it's it's fomented elsewhere as well. I think that there's a deep and profound hatred for this country that comes from the leadership of the Democrat Party. This nation has founded. It's a you know, Islamic terrorists hate this nation as founded. They hate what this nation was built upon and stands for. It is the antithesis of their political worldview, their religious slash political worldview, and they believe they are completely justified in taking the lives of people on nine eleven or at any time thereafter or before because they're on some sort of a religious mission directed by God and make no Allah make no mistake about it by the way make no mistake they are waging a religious war against us and it still is being waged although they have been beaten back tremendously since 9/11 and in particular since president Trump because we had a new enemy arise say a new I don't want to say a new enemy but a new type of enemy arise with ISIS ISIS actually had taken territory under the Obama regime, taken territory basically uh, in places like Syria and Iraq, and it took President Trump to come in and eradicate that as well, to take back the land that they had that they had occupied, 
that they had basically claimed for themselves. And so this battle still is being waged, and there's always, you know, activities in the shadows. This is how they are trained to act. It's not unlike the radical Marxists, which again, to remind you, Black Lives Matter is run by two, at least two, maybe three radical probably three, now that I say that, radical, trained Marxists. They're trained in techniques and strategies to cause havoc, even if it's covert, even if it's not in the limelight, even if it's not something that we uh, can readily see before our very eyes. The battle still is being waged. The hatred still rages. And it's crazy here on 9-11. We have so much hatred and angst and so forth for this nation. And I think back to this date on 2001, and there was anything but that. Anything but that. This nation came together. This nation unified. I remember for a short period of time, George W. Bush's approval numbers were, I mean, I think they were in the 80s or some some such number. I mean, it was remarkable. People realized the level of the threat that we faced and that we had to do something about it, and we had to do it together. And the idea that politics ended at the water's edge, which is, a, of course, a historical truth in this nation. It's not so much today. Everything's political today. Back then, back then we actually realized, you know what? We better figure this out and work together. Now, that didn't last long because of how the Democrats try to divide and conquer, but it did it was the case for some time. And so we should remember. Now they're not gonna have ceremonies on at ground zero today. There will be for family only, but they're not reading the names. They're not reading the names. There's gonna be a pre recorded reading of the names. But I always watched this. This was something that um you know I think everybody would watch at least a portion of. I've been to Ground Zero since 9-11, and it is a sobering place. I remember the first, I've only been to New York City once, and it was actually four years ago this week, and I remember I took the train from D.C., and I remember the first time I saw the Freedom Tower out the window of the train as we were approaching New York City, probably, I guess, in New Jersey at that point. I looked out the window. I didn't know you'd even be able to see this, the the skyline from, from where I was coming. I you know had never been there before, and I remember seeing that for the first time that huge tower in the distance. And I immediately, folks, immediately teared up. It's just like you just remember all that. You remember watching it on television. You remember seeing uh, you know, the, 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 the devastation, the, the just awful effects of that day. And it sticks with you. And I know it sticks with you as well. You probably remember exactly where you were when you got news that – the World Trade Towers were under attack. I remember I was starting a new job. Actually, it was probably my second or third week. I was in training. I was heading downtown to Indianapolis. I was actually passing the airport in Indianapolis on 70 when I heard, at first the reports were a small plane crash into the towers, and then somewhere along the way, a second plane. And when you hear the second plane crash into the tower, you know something's going on, right? The first one, you think, man, what happened? Is someone, you know... Was it some tragic 
just pilot error? Was there equipment malfunction? Like, you know, everyone's trying to gather information. But when there's a second one, and when you saw the video, of course, and you saw it was a, a large passenger jet, it all began to be crystal clear that this was intentional, being orchestrated by someone, someone that had deep, deep hatred for this nation and what it stood for. And so we remember this today. We remember the the fallen. We remember those who lost their lives in the World Trade Center. We remember those heroes aboard Flight 93 who took control of an aircraft that we understand, we believe was en route. We know to Washington, D.C., we believe the Capitol building or possibly the White House was the target. Those brave men and women took control of that aircraft and it never reached its destination. We remember those in the Pentagon. Pentagon, those folks who were there doing the work to defend this nation when they were suddenly and unexpectedly attacked by another aircraft on that fateful morning, September 11th, 2001. And so I know they don't have the, the, the ceremonies today because of COVID. It's just the intersection of these two uh, these of these two major events, COVID and how the world has responded, 9-11 and the importance of that as we remember our history on this 19th anniversary of the September 11th attacks. And we just want to take a moment to remember those uh, those who died on this day, those who those who wrote who offered themselves to fight for this nation on that day or soon after because of what happened. And those who have been on the front lines fighting the war on terror ever since in whatever capacity that looks like, whether it is on the front lines or in the Pentagon or wherever else these things take place. We've made great progress on that, but it's a, in many ways, it's an invisible enemy that's hard to pin down. It's it's like jello to the wall. They're deliberately hard to identify and to isolate and to target because they know that they can't match us. Uh, they, they can't match the power of the U.S. toe to toe. They've got to do things in other ways to give themselves opportunities to wreak havoc on this nation and other free peoples around the world. So. May we never forget 9-11. May we never forget this day 19 years ago. I'm going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to shift gears, talk a little bit about Joe Biden. Joe Biden trying to undo the hashtag or the uh, the position, the, the, the slogan, Slow Joe. And he's not doing a very good job of that. We'll talk about that, get into politics here the rest of the show. You're listening here to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. I am your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. Welcome back. You know, I want to make an executive decision here. I told you we're going to talk about Biden this segment, and we will talk about Biden and how he's been trying to overcome this hashtag slow Joe or, you know, just his, I don't know, his, his mental condition, I guess he's trying to laugh this off and he just doesn't pull it off folks. I mean, it actually, it actually makes it worse. And I don't want to, 
look, I don't feel comfortable. We'll talk about it, but I don't feel comfortable in this isn't me jumping up for joy about this. This I I wonder what exactly is wrong with Joe Biden, but I do know that it raises definite questions as to whether this guy should be anywhere near the Oval Office, even political ideology aside, putting that aside, which is terrible. It's just there, there's a lot of problems. But I want to go back to this. I was thinking here during the break about about this country. I, I love this country. I love this nation. I was raised to love this nation. I don't understand why more people are not raised to love this nation. I think that this nation is the brightest beacon of light and hope that this world has ever seen. When you look at the what this place is, what it was built upon, the truths upon which it was established, I find myself puzzled sometimes at the level of hatred. I mean, I also understand uh, there's different types of folks. There's folks who try to intentionally, I guess, uh, confuse us on what this nation is because they don't want us to like it and embrace it because they want, they envision a different system of government. They like to have more power and authority. They don't like it. A lot of these folks enjoy the darkness. And I'll tell you, this nation is a shining city on a hill. Now, the founders made a mistake. I've made this abundantly clear. I I said this back in college before this was in vogue. I remember thinking back then as I had these discussions with people, the founders really made some bad uh, – they, they made some bad mistakes with the way that they handled um, – they, they, they embraced evil with slavery. That's what they did. And so, um, but that's that is where that ends. There's not a systemic problem that exists today. This nation is again a bright and shiny, a shining city on a hill. And so it's just remarkable to me as I see the hatred. I remember you remember 19 years ago when when everybody everybody had flags on their cars, bumper stickers, or you know, I had a little window sticker of the flag on my on my driver's side window. Everybody was proud flag uh, flag waving Americans. They were, and now we've abandoned that. You think that's been nineteen years? That's not that long, depending upon your, I guess, perspective at this moment in time. But that's not that long. Yet we've seen fa- changes quicker than that. I mean, I think the 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 rate at which we're seeing hatred for this nation is founded on an accelerated rate. People are believing that it's you know evil and systemically flawed at a rate that they've never done before. And I think that that's that's really sad and it's unfortunate because I look at the landscape of the world. I think what would this what would this planet look like without the United States of America? And there are some, those who hate the hate this nation, that would say it'd be a better place. It'd be a better place. Oh, my friends, that's dramatically overstated. That's absolutely wrong. This world is a better place because of the United States. And again, it's not because of us. I mean, it, it's because of us in the sense that we demand these things, that we stand up for these things, that we ensure that liberty passes on to the next generation. 
But it's not because of our genetic superiority. It's not because of anything personally about us, per se, other than what I just mentioned. It's not – we're not more qualified or more worthy of these blessings than someone else, someone else living under a tyrannical regime right now, a dictatorship or what have you. They're just as worthy as we are. We just have the blessings of those that have gone before us that have set the wheels of liberty in motion. And so here we are on this special day. And again, I know I'm and I'm going to get to Biden, but I just I I see the hatred. I see the burning of the flag. I see which again, I'm not saying, you know, free speech whatever, but to have that desire in your heart to kneel for the anthem and then tell me, "Well, it's not because of that." Didn't watch a second of this stupid NFL game, so I don't know if anyone kneeled. Don't don't care. Don't know if they kneeled or whatever they did or what, but you know, that's that's where this has come. In fact, in the NBA, it's news if you stand up for the anthem now. Think about that for a minute. A couple of years ago, that's what I mean, the, the rate at which we see a deterioration of American, I guess, pride and how quickly it is accelerated to hating this nation. Now it's it's news if you stand during the anthem. A couple of years ago, people were asking, should the NFL allow players to kneel during the anthem? I'm not. I'm waiting for them to say, should they allow players to stand for the anthem? And so it's it's perplexing on a logical level. On another level, we know what we're dealing with here. We understand who these folks are that don't like America as founded. There's a couple of different types. Some who don't understand the beauty of what it is, or the you know they don't have any. I don't know if they don't stop and think about. The atrocities that have been committed in, in other governments that uh, – and just the abuses and the tyranny and the poverty and the just abject failures of these governments under the name of socialism or communism or some other totalitarian big government sort of, I don't know, monarchy or whatever compared to what we have here. It's not even close, but yet they find fault, and this is not perfect. But I will tell you, this side of heaven is as good as we're going to get. And it's a darn good system that's built on some very fundamentally true and very important principles. So I hope even – you know, a day like this could be a day that maybe since slaps someone up the side of the head who's been fomenting hatred for this nation. But then again, other people who you – know, they may also believe that we deserved. Some of these folks are insane, that, that we deserved – what happened on 9-11. But this nation, folks, this nation is a shining city on a hill. It is a place of hope. It is a place of of goodness. And the world would be a much, much, much worse place without this great nation. We are blessed and fortunate and privileged, regardless of our race, gender, ethnicity, religion, creed, what have you, to be a part of this nation, to call ourselves American. And I call myself an American each and every day with pride, but on a day like this, it even has a little bit more of an emotional impact and meaning to me, given what this nation endured and given what heroes did on this day and following this day in our fight against terrorism. So next segment, I promise we'll get to Biden. Quick time out. You're listening to Conservative Not Bitter Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute.
Welcome back. So I want to shift gears gears here again. This is the 19th anniversary of 9-11, but we have an election coming up too, and I want to shift gears and talk about this. Joe Biden out there, he's on, what is he on, CNN. I guess this was, was this yesterday? Being socially distanced. I mean, it's extreme. I'm looking at the picture here. This is, I mean, we're talking, are they 10 feet apart? Sitting in chairs, it looks like, what are they, in a garage? Is this Biden's basement now that I'm looking at this? I don't know. There's a pickup truck back in the background. What am I, I I guess this is one of those staged events where he's out there talking about how he's going to help American jobs or whatever. But anyway, he's sitting down talking with CNN here, and he's trying to dispel, he's trying to dispel the narrative that he has some sort of a cognitive decline. Now, look, I've said this before. I take no pleasure in this. I don't like talking about this. I'm just going to be candid with you. I don't like it. If, as I suspect, there is something going on with Joe Biden, it's really it's really sad. I don't know if I don't know if no one cares. I don't know if they've just calculated the cost and they realize, look, this is our only chance to win this and to stop Trump. So let's just do whatever we have to do. I don't know. But I know that there are certainly fair questions to ask about this, but I take no pleasure in this. But he's trying to dispel this, right? And we're in an election, and when you're a politician, when you're someone, you know, trying to, uh, you know, grow government or push your ideas on the American people, I mean, you th- these are these are critically important things, and so you become a a target, and so. He's he's going to have to deal with the truth or the reality or the, the the questions surrounding some of the statements he's made that are more than gaffes. Some of these things are much, much more than gaffes. These things are incoherent. They don't make any sense. You can't remember what the the Declaration of Independence is. You know the thing, whatever these, these lists of gaffes are. But he's trying to dispel this, and this is important, I think, to set up. He's trying to dispel the notion that he's not slow Joe, as some have been apparently calling him. So his reaction here, listen, he, he loses his train of thought here as he's trying to explain why he's not slow Joe and how this is so obvious that he's not slow Joe. So he's trying to do this, and he quite literally loses his train of thought. This, by the way, he does this regularly. If you hear him out on the campaign trail or during an interview, an interview where he doesn't have his teleprompter there to help him with answering questions, if you hear him say, I just, I better not say that, I I shouldn't get into it, or something along those lines, I better watch myself. He's trained himself to, when he loses his train of thought, to say that. Now, that happens to anybody. That's even happened to this well-trained host of your program. But it can't happen every time you look around, every time you go out, and it's becoming close to that. So listen to this really quickly, Biden explaining why he's not slow Joe. Just look at us, okay? Just look at us. Who seems to be in shape? Who's able to move around? Who's? I mean, this idea of, you know... Slow Joe. <laughs> I anyway, I I shouldn't laugh about it because uh, anyway, 
Donald Trump, uh, just look at us both. Watch us and determine whether or not you think uh, um, I'm misleading anyone. Not you personally, but the public. You know, look at me. Judge me based on I know what. Yeah, we are. That's the problem. That's the that's the problem. We are watching Joe, Mr. Biden. That is the problem, former vice president. We are watching. We see things like this. In fact, if you saw the video, you can tell he gets he gets uh, visibly shaken. He's, he takes his finger and, and kind of scratches the temple, looks, kind of looks down to the ground. He's trying to laugh. They've probably instructed him to laugh. You know, Joe, if they call you slow Joe, get up there and just, <laughs> just start laughing. All right, I'm slow Joe. What do you know? Here we go again. You're trying to hit his Reagan moment or something from the 1980 primaries and debates and so forth not primaries but the the debate season and the general election with with uh with his opponents but it's 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 just remarkable that they that they let this go on that's remarkable that they aired this and this was um jake tapper i think was interviewing him staying at least 10 feet away at least 10 feet away from joe biden here socially distanced Looks like maybe in Biden's basement. But anyway, it's not in Biden's basement. He's out in, I think he's in Michigan or somewhere. Which, by the way, MI, he saw that in a, on a teleprompter or somewhere. And he was talking about the number of COVID deaths in Michigan. That's what MI stands for. He said military. It's another thing. I mean, there's, there's a list of things. And again, these things can happen to anybody. Believe me, I know some people, you may be listening to this and you think, man, I don't, I don't get it. I don't see that. Well, I can tell you that... For those that speak a lot, and he speaks more than I do, I speak, I think we've, we've calculated twelve to 14,000 words in our two-hour program on average, I think is what it is. But they speak more than that. And when you do that every day, I think I speak, I think based upon studies, I speak more words than the average man speaks all day in our pro, during our program. I think I speak, now this is going to tick some people off, but based upon science, you can, I'm just telling you what the studies say. I speak about the same number of words in a program, maybe not even quite as many, um, as, as females speak in a day. So men speak a fraction of what women speak, but I speak that in this two-hour program uh, more than men do all day in many instances. And uh, about the same or around the same as, as women. But the point is, the more you speak, the more you speak, the more you're going to have moments like like this, but not this many. It can't be so, uh, so disproportionate. And it is clearly with Joe Biden. It's, it's off the charts. It's every time he goes out. And it's not just stumbling. It's literally forgetting what he was saying one second before. And there's questions that need to be asked about that. And Again, I don't take pleasure in saying that. It makes me it makes me uncomfortable. I don't I don't want anything bad to be the case here, but it is something that we need to be aware of and not pretend as some some joke. And I do think we should compare him and his mental state and his whatever, his health or whatever we want to look at here specifically to to Trump. Let's do that. Let's watch him when they're on the debate stage here in a couple weeks. Let's just see what happens. Anyway, gotta take a timeout. Listening to Todd Huff here on Concert with Conservative Not Bitter Talk Radio. Back in just a minute.
you know, about a month or so ago, Biden was kind of doing the same thing. He was on, what is this? I don't know where he was here, but some other television interview defending his his fitness. And this is what he said. I mean, just listen to this. And by the way, oh. as I joke with him, you know, I, I shouldn't say it. I'm going to say something I don't. I, I probably shouldn't say. Anyway, I am. Uh, I am very willing to let the American public judge my physical, and mental, fil- my physical as well as my mental fil- fitness, and uh, to uh, you know to make a judgment about who I am, and what, what state of affairs I have, what, what kind of physical shape I'm in, what kind of mental shape I'm in. Okay, that's not making the case that he thinks it is. And again, things happen. I get that. But there, there's fair questions, and, and, and they've not been asked. They've not been asked by – they may have been asked. I guess Jake Tapper mentions it in that original soundbite. But it's not um, – it's not really been looked at. It's almost like it's, it's – they know that they have to do it. Because, you know, it's obvious that something needs to be said. So they throw up the softball, let him, hopefully they cross their fingers that he's going to deal with it appropriately. And then they, they move on to something else. Or they'll tell us that they've looked into this and it's just Trump trying to trick you into, you know, voting for someone that you don't really want to vote for. It's just a version of Russian interference 2.0. It's fake news. It's interference in our democracy and change the narrative uh, to something along those lines. But these are fair questions, but they've not been addressed. Neither, Just like Tara Reid hasn't been addressed, just like Hunter Biden hasn't been addressed. And buckle up because I have a feeling, and we've got the Durham report uh, coming out here soon potentially as well. But that's all about the change. I mean this narrative where Trump's on the defensive over COVID or whatever is going to quickly change as we head to these debates and as uh, Trump begins to – force some of these issues which he's going to do which he's going to do gotta take a break come back and wrap up for the week folks you're listening to conservative not better talk i'm your host todd huff back in just a minute welcome back real quickly The Democrats, led by, in this case, Trevor Noah of The Daily Show, are trying to say – they're trying to say that Trump's does the same thing as Biden and they've come up with a little video of gaffes, which, again, watch it. You should watch it because it's not at all the same thing. It actually is exactly what I was saying last segment. But anyway, you can look at that on your own time permitting or whatever you want to – if you want to check that out. But – Trevor Noah also upset. I didn't have time to get to this today, but he's also upset about uh, gender reveal parties. Thinks that you should wait until the child is old enough to determine their gender. I tell you what, some of the the state of affairs where we are today. But anyway, I got to wrap up here. Time is dwindling quickly, fading out, and that's the end of this week. I will not have hour two today. There's some things I've got to, again, as we grow, a few things I've got to tend to here behind the scenes, but... Never fear, you can check out archived episodes at toddfshow.com slash listen. Have a great weekend. SDC Monday, take care.